Welcome nerds. It is a dark time for nerdum. Release dates for content are on the verge of being pushed back. Two nerds unite in their love for Star Wars once more to fight against the dreaded darkness. But are they too late to answer the call? Our nerds must rise together no matter what. To be the spark of hope. To entertain the masses. Mandalorians are stronger together. To celebrate a new generation of Star Wars. Anakin is gone. I am what remains. The nerds must strike back. Nerds, this will be your finest hour. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. And welcome to Volume 2 of Star Wars Month. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we're talking all the latest news and rumors from Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. Plus, Star Wars Month continues with my top five Star Wars video game characters. And we're talking all the drama coming out of AEW's big announcement. And if today's episode isn't enough for you, don't forget you can get even more Amazing Nerd Show content on Patreon by subscribing to our $5 tier. Doing so, you'll gain access to our Best and Worst of the Week show. Though if you'd like even more than that, additional bonus podcasts will be available for our $10 tier that includes all of the other tiers' benefits as well. That's right, Christian. We have over 20 Best and the Worst of the Week episodes up. And we also have Better Late Than Never reviews for things like Season 2 of The Bad Batch, uh, Megan, and Men, along with anime reviews. You can find our Patreon link in our show notes or simply type in patreon.com slash amazingnerdshow. But all right, with that said, let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All right, up first, we've got one major production delay and one rumored production delay due to the ongoing writer strike. So, you know, we have to talk some delays as the strikes have moved into another week. This time, we're getting reports on season four of The Mandalorian being delayed. Deadline reports that even though the scripts are completed, as per John Favreau's statements back in February, Lucasfilm is rumored to be delaying production that was believed to begin in September of this year. Though there hasn't been any official official statements made by Lucasfilm or Disney as of yet. Another production facing a delay is the Penguin series as the WGA strike, you know, picketers forced production to halt this past Tuesday on the 16th, which only adds this to the growing list of productions the strike has been able to halt. And I'm sure it won't be the last one we hear about as more stories of delays come out. All right, well, moving on to happier news. Uh, looks like we have a possible premiere date for the upcoming Ahsoka series. In a now deleted post by the Disney Movie Insiders, a date for Ahsoka's release was shown to be August 31st, which the trailer only alluded to an August release. No official word from Disney on the now leaked date, but it makes sense for them to want to push this series as close to the end. As many people are speculating that with Secret Invasion and the Marvels releasing in June and July, they would want fans to have a breather between Marvel and Star Wars projects. Well, speaking of premieres, it looks like we've got confirmed release for two upcoming MCU series. Marvel Studios announced this week that Loki Season 2 would be coming out October 6th of this year, with also the Hawkeye spinoff Echo set to come out November 29th. Though unlike most Disney Plus shows, Echo will drop all of its episodes on day one instead of doing, you know, a weekly release. Well, first off, I'm just happy that both of these series are actually getting released this year. Um, especially with Loki, everything that's been going on with Jonathan Majors and just kind of assuming that he's part of that series, I was kind of expecting maybe that they would try to push it back until they, you know, figured out exactly what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe a decision's been made already. I don't know. Um, but also, like, you know, in January, we we're hearing that Echo might possibly be pushed back to 2024. So, I mean, it's definitely like good news that the series is coming out this year as far as them doing like a binge release you know for the show um i don't know if it's like a case of them wanting to experiment with that kind of drop or if you know it has more to do with their release calendar right now since if they drop it in late november it could be possibly bumping up against you know other series that they plan to drop because i believe skeleton crew 
you know, Star Wars Skeleton Crew is supposed to be coming out, like, in December at some point. Or if it would, like, bump up against a show being released in January. Since you gotta figure at this point that it's more than four episodes long. And if it's released, like, you know, obviously you could do the math, but if it's released in late November, then it's definitely going to be going into the new year. I mean, that was my assumption, was that they're just releasing it all at once so they didn't have to worry about it bumping up against anything else. I, I just figured that's what they wanted to do. And at the same time, they might be just taking the opportunity to kind of experiment, you know, and see what these binge releases do audience-wise. I mean, they're the only ones who have, like, the analytics but, you know, with the episodic weekly releases, like, do they see kind of like peaks and valleys where, you know, if you have kind of a slower episode, do they tend to lose audience numbers like for the next episode? Um, like, do people fall off of the series after a period of time? Um, so it might be just a situation where they're killing two birds with one stone. They, you know, get to clear up their calendar and keep things on track. But at the same time, they get to experiment. I will say, like, once I believe the general audience realizes that this show features Daredevil and Kingpin in a major way, I do believe fans will turn out for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, if they're smart... You know, even though I don't want Echo to take a back seat story-wise, <laughs> they'll definitely put, like, you know, Daredevil and Kingpin up front in all the promotional material, mm -hmm. you would think, at least. Well, everyone, you know, obviously listens to our show, so they already know that they're going to be in it. Sure, Christian, sure. <laughs> obviously, you don't see our analytics either. <laughs> but anyways, uh, speaking of Daredevil, it looks like we have a new update on his upcoming MCU series. Deadline reports that Clark Johnson, who's directed recently on HBO's Love and Death miniseries, along with several other series, is set to direct and star in episodes of Daredevil Born Again. There's no clear sign on who they may be playing, but Deadline sources believe that he could be playing Rudolph Cherry, who in the Marvel comics debuted in Daredevil 177 in 1981 and was a councilman who had ties to Wilson Fisk as Daredevil discovered. So I honestly have never heard of this character. Or I've just forgotten about this character. <laughs> um, you said that he was featured in the books in the 80s. Um, yes. Now, apparently Rudolph did run for mayor of New York at some point in the comics. And knowing that, you know, at least rumor wise, we might be getting the uh, Mayor Fisk storyline in, you know, Daredevil Born Again. Um Maybe he's like a, a campaign opponent of Fisk, or maybe he's just, you know, another Fisk lackey. So, um, I don't know. Um, I mean, knowing Fisk, if, you know, he doesn't win, might as well have someone else, you know, in control. So I could imagine him just owning some of his opponents as well. Well, you mean like a like a puppet or something like yes, that? Uh, yeah, I could see that. That's a possibility. I'm definitely intrigued by the whole like Mayor Fisk storyline um, playing out on the show. Um, especially, you know, thinking about like what kind of living hell he could make M Matt Murdock's life, you know, as mayor of New York City. Um, and, you know, we talked about before on the podcast, but it kind of works out, um, you know, if they play it the same way that they did in the comic books. In the comics, he's able to rise, you know, to power during the events of Secret Empire. Um, he becomes kind of like a folk hero to the people of New York by taking care of them where the government can't. In Born Again, they could have the same storyline play out where Fisk gets in the good graces of the people of New York during the blip, where he's kind of like the one helping citizens through those tragic events. The blip just works as the perfect like substitute event to like propel him into power, um, if you will. I'd also just like to see how like this plays out throughout the entire MCU, if like other superheroes will recognize or if they'll have anything in the background showing, you know, Fisk becoming mayor. I think that would just be a cool aspect to see how other heroes would react to it as well and how far they would be willing to take that. Well, moving on to more MCU news, it looks like we got some big reveals for the upcoming Captain America 4 film. New photos from the set of Captain America New World Order unveiled not only a new suit for Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, but also Danny Ramirez as Joaquin Torres, who took up the Falcon wings after the events of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Also spied on the set was the Monday Night Messiah, Seth freaking Rollins, with rumors 
Rose, claiming Rollins will be a part of the Serpent Society that we heard will be debuting in the film. Cap 4 is set for May 3rd, 2024. I swear to God, Christian, if Seth Rollins cackles once during this film, I'm not going to walk <laughs> right out of the theater. Really? I feel like that would be a bo like a bonus. Oh, God, I can't handle his character right now <laughs> <laughs> on Raw. He's just uh, so frustrating. Like, I don't understand the gimmick, whatever. I mean, he's a fantastic wrestler. Don't get me wrong. But the gimmick is just the drizzling shits. Um, I know. Does he it's... still have that theme? Does it still go oh, like? You know, uh, he, yes, and uh... it, he's completely over. <laughs> but I just don't get it. Um, you know, he's just like he's he's literally like a Batman '66 villain. You know, which uh -huh. you would think would be in my wheelhouse. But like, there's no rhyme or reason for it, and all he all he does is laughs in between everything he says. So it drives me nuts. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like he'd be a great henchman. Um, it mm. looks like he's going to be part of the Serpent Society. Um, he's wearing this green trench coat. He's also next to a woman in a green trench coat, who I'm assuming is also part of the Serpent Society. But I don't think they've identified the actress um, in the photo, at least right now. At least no one's pointed it out. Yeah, I mean... I'm kind of disappointed they're not wearing, like, the big, like, you know, snake, you know, <laughs> get-ups. Um, but whatever. Uh, I gotta say, like, speaking of being disappointed, I, I wasn't a big fan of Sam's look. Um, it seems very muted compared to, you know, the uh, comic book accurate look that we got from Falcon mm. and Winter Soldier. It looks more aligned with what Steve wore during Winter Soldier. Yes, I was going to say that. You know, like his shield kind of like get mm -hmm. up, um, which I liked, you know, for Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers. But for Sam, I don't know. But the fact that they already changed Sam's, you know, more comic book accurate look. I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that sucks. So that basically means we got like one episode, you know, of a series with it and that's it. Um I know, like, that looks not for everyone, but I dig it, so... Um, and maybe maybe it's a case of, like, we'll see multiple different looks through, you know, the mm -hmm. film. Um, who knows? Like, maybe this is more of, a, a like, a stealth mission that he's on or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's still rocking the red goggles, it looks like. I mean, at least... We don't know if there's going to be like some crazy CGI on it or something like that, where, you know, it, it has some type of functionality that we don't know. Actually, I might be misremembering, but I think they actually had to do some CGI work on his original like Captain America look um, in the series uh, because of issues with like the neck portion of his oh, costume. Okay. Like it kept on like sticking out or something like that. So they had to do some work. So maybe that's, you know, possibly why they went with a different look here. Um, I'm not sure though. Anyway, uh, quickly before we move on, uh, this story actually just came out. There's a rumor coming from, uh, scooper Jeff Snyder, Snyder, Snyder. I think it's Snyder. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that screenwriter Jeff Loveness, uh, might be off of the Avengers King Dynasty film. Um, mm. and I guess this took place prior to the writer's strike. Okay. So I don't know exactly what that shakeup is all about, but as more details come out and if it's even true, uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about it next week. How wild would it be if they just skip Kang Dynasty? Just say, fuck it. <laughs> just wash her hands of the whole thing uh -huh. and walk away. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, they're definitely in an unenviable like position right now. Um, I mean, I mentioned before, I was kind of surprised that Loki season two was coming out this year. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm I'm kind of assuming that, you know, Kang plays some kind of role in that series. I, I feel like that's a safe assumption, at least. They've got some big decisions to make right now uh, because it definitely doesn't seem like we're anywhere close to get any kind of like resolution to the Jonathan Majors, you know, story right now. So, man, I don't know. Well, speaking of Marvel news that just dropped, uh, according to Deadline, uh, Brianna Hildebrand and Shioli Kutasuna, I'm sorry if I'm mingling your name, um, have uh, apparently closed deals to return for Deadpool 3. 
Hildebrand, of course, played Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and Kutasuna played Yukio and the Deadpool sequel. I wonder how many of these characters that are coming back for this are going to make it to the MCU. I'm assuming whatever happens in this film kind of just like ties up any type of connections he had with his you know, former characters. Yeah, especially since they're already established X-Men and we know that mm-hmm. the X-Men aren't established in the MCU. So I'm assuming that they're not going to make it very far. Um, you know, after this movie, uh, maybe they'll be part of a Secret Wars film or something like that. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Um, you know, from the Fox universe, I really only see like Deadpool surviving, honestly. Yes. Um, and the rest of like the X franchise just getting like a straight reboot, you know, MCU style. Which I'm so ready for. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like continuity and everything like that was such a mess over there anyway. Uh-huh you know, characters and, you know, their ages and I don't know, like there'd be multiple versions of different characters and <laughs> multiple different films like what well, Yukio has, yes. has two different exactly, versions. Exactly, because Yukio <laughs> was in Deadpool 2 mm-hmm. um, and then there was another version of the character in The Wolverine. Yes. So and it was a different, a very different version of the character. So I don't know. I totally forgot about that, actually. So, but there's so many different other examples of that going mm-hmm. on with, you know, the Fox, you know, X-Men universe. So fuck it. Just restart the whole goddamn thing. But anyway, it looks like Aubrey Plaza, who's going to be starring in the upcoming Agatha Coven of Chaos series, uh, is actually teasing a new Marvel project. On Instagram, Aubrey Plaza, a cast member on the Agatha Coven of Chaos series, posted an image of a chair embroidered with the Marvel Studios, the Darkhold Diaries on it, which the Darkhold was the book that twisted the mind of Wanda as we saw her take it after the events of WandaVision and then be corrupted by it in Multiverse of Madness. It's unclear at this time what this project is, if it's like a special or a series for Disney+, Plus, but it is crystal clear that Marvel is all in on exploring its magical elements and that Aubrey Plaza will be a returning star in the MCU. So my guess, since this is seemingly centered around the Darkhold, that this is like some kind of like epilogue special, especially knowing the fate of the Darkhold in, you know, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I mean, I'm assuming that if the Darkhold somehow survived, that they wouldn't reveal it here, you know, on like Disney Plus, like it'd be a bigger deal, um, you know, part of a film or something. But I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, this could just be a whole retcon (laughs) series or something that we don't know about. Well, I don't know about that, but I'm guessing (laughs) that this is just like, you know, giving more of a backstory to the Darkhold, you know, for, you know, the upcoming Agatha series. Well, actually, speaking of Doctor Strange, it looks like a co-star of those films will be in the upcoming Venom 3. Oscar-nominated Chiwetel Eofor, who starred as Mordo in the Doctor Strange films, may be hopping over to the Sony side of Marvel for a role in Venom 3, according to Deadline at least. They claim he will be co-starring alongside Tom Hardy, which perhaps this means that he will be casted as their villain. But right now, it is still pretty unclear what direction Venom 3 is heading in. Now, Christian, do you think there's a possibility that he's actually playing Mordo here it didn't really come to my mind that he would be playing the same character just because I I can't imagine why Mordo would be here well I mean we've seen variants of the character in the multiverse so and we know the last time we saw Venom he was in you know the MCU um and he left a little piece of himself so you know he was going through some kind of portal right am I correct um, to return yeah. seemingly to his universe. But what if something went wrong and he like took a detour? Like, you know, who knows? Maybe Venom 3 is a multiverse film. Maybe Mordo is trying to help Venom sort things out. Or, you know, maybe he's the antagonist of the film trying to keep Venom out of his reality. Um, I mean, I wish I could keep that version of Venom on my reality. I know that. I just wouldn't want to have, a, you know, a multiverse Venom story at the, like, around the same time as a multiverse, you know, Deadpool story, you know, but I, well, I know that they're Christian, doing that, two that different things. Three phases of Marvel are all going to be multiverse films. <laughs> True. Do you really care what the fuck's going on in Venom 3, Christian? No, I don't. <laughs> you want another big CGI symbiote battle? Is that what you're looking forward to? Because <laughs> I'm going to call bullshit right now. Uh, I, 
I don't I don't look forward Honestly, to anything, it Sony. Would, it'd probably be the only thing to make me like, you know, a little interested in, you know, this film. So <laughs> <laughs> Have you even seen two yet? No, fuck that. Why would I watch two? <laughs> one was god awful. Because it's not fair that I'm the only one that no, has seen it, the other Fuck podcast. you. <laughs> <laughs> Why should I be punished because you're dumb enough to go watch that movie? <laughs> I, I did it for the show. I didn't force you to go see that film. <laughs> We would have been fine without it. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I could have saved you the $12 and told you it sucks. Right? I mean, <laughs> you could have, I mean, you could have judged that from the trailers. Um, but anyway, I would be lying if I didn't say that, you know, the events with Venom at the end of No Way Home doesn't have me at least curious to see exactly what that all means in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, because obviously there was purpose in, you know, a little bit of the symbiote, you know, staying behind, you know, mm. in the MCU proper. So I don't know. We also got a rumor from Deadline that Layla from Moon Knight, a.k.a. the Scarlet Scarab, may have some future MCU plans of her own. Industry insiders claim Maya, the actress who plays the character, is working with Marvel Studios to start up a new project. With that said, you have to imagine Moon Knight Season 2 is in the works for sure if they have further interest in the Scarlet Scarab. But we'll keep you posted if anything official comes of this. We also got word that the Mortal Kombat 2 film has found its jade as THR claims Tati Gabrielle from the Netflix series You and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, along with more recently the Uncharted film, is in final talks for the role. It'll be interesting to see who else fills out the main cast of heroes we haven't met yet in this Mortal Kombat universe, as it feels like we're definitely approaching the tournament arc, at least I hope for their sakes. Um, I've never been a big fan of uh, Tati and her roles so far, but she's given a you know good enough performance to make me think that she'll be at least decent as Jade. Well, lastly, we actually have some DC news. We've got some casting rumors for James Gunn's Superman legacy film. In recent reports by The Hollywood Reporter, it seemed that David Cornsweet of Pearl fame was the frontrunner to play Superman in the Superman legacy film. However, Deadline sources claim that Jacob Elrodi of Euphoria fame and Andrew Richardson, who last starred in a film, A Call to a Spy, are being looked at as the top choices for Superman in Gunn's film. No confirmation from Gunn just yet who they may be picking, but I'm sure we'll learn more as you know we get closer to that rumored january production start for the film and gun hasn't come out and debunked any of these rumors yet no right okay because <laughs> it feels like he does it like in real time nowadays mm -hmm. like right as the rumor drops like he'll be like straight on twitter you know telling people now this is bullshit so um there's also a rumor that hasn't been debunked that he was possibly looking at a guardians of the galaxy volume three actor to star as Lex Luthor, or at least audition, you know, for the role. Um, you know, some people were speculating that that could have been actually Dave Batista, while other people were speculating that it could actually be uh, Michael Rosenbaum, who actually played Luthor before in the Smallville series, uh, oh, okay. who I'm actually a big fan of. So um, I thought he played a great Lex Luthor. Now, it sounds like regardless of who it was, it, it's not happening. Um, but there were definitely discussions being had. I will say a couple of years ago, if you told me DC was possibly going to cast Batista as Lex Luthor, I probably would, you know, punch you in the face and call you a liar. But nowadays, I don't know, I, I could actually, you know, see that working. Yeah, after like some of those uh, more recent performances, like uh, the M. Night Shyamalan film and stuff like that, I could totally see him pulling off that role at this point. I mean, honestly, like he's shown so much growth as an actor. You know, I, I could see him having an interesting take on the character. As far as the Superman role goes, uh, Jacob Elrodi has a great look um, for you know a young Superman. But boy, does he play a bastard in Euphoria. It would be kind of hard for me to picture him in that role. I mean, he is a total dick in that show. But I mean, he's acting Christian. So, I mean, yes, he's acting <laughs> and I'm convinced. <laughs> Well, I mean, whoever they cast definitely has some big shoes to fill. Um, I mean, I'm not just talking like Henry Cavill. I mean, I think whenever, you know, someone takes on Superman right away, people start making comparisons to Christopher Reeves. So, I mean, say what you want on whether or not those films hold up today. I mean, I think they do. 
but um, I don't think anyone has quite been able to personify the spirit of the character, you know, since. And now it's time for the nerds' top five Star Wars video game characters. All right, it's time to talk some Star Wars, and no Star Wars fan will deny they have, you know, always wanted a chance to pick up a lightsaber or fly in a starfighter and go into battle, like in the beloved franchise. And video games, of course, give us that chance to live out some of those fantasies with campaigns and characters that often rival some of the Star Wars canon. And so for, you know, volume two of our Star Wars month, I'd like to highlight some of my favorite characters to come out of Lucasfilm games. The main rule being that they have to be characters that debuted in a Star Wars video game, which obviously excludes, you know, fan favorites like Vader from being on this list. For my honorable mentions, I will say I have Bastila Sharn. She was a very cool character from the Old Republic, along with Kyle Katarn, who, you know, for a lot of people is the quintessential Jedi that they got to experience through several different video games back in the past. But to start things off with my number five, I have a relative newcomer in Cal Kestis. Trust only in the force. Cal so far has been one of the most engaging protagonists to come to video games after Disney bought Star Wars. A former Padawan having survived Order 66 is trying to now, you know, live under Imperial rule. But like most Jedi that survived, the natural need to help others nearly gets him captured by Inquisitors, which sets Cal off on an adventure similar to the experience we got from the Obi-Wan series. As, you know, Cal must figure out what a Jedi is to do in these darkest of times, and ultimately make some massive choices that could have affected the rise of a new Jedi Order. Cal really embodies the meaning of being a Jedi, and Respawn has done a fantastic job of not only his characterization, but making connections to all of the current canon while never overshadowing Cal's hero's journey, giving him a firm place in the world of Star Wars that may lead to a like live action appearance one day. That being said, I haven't finished Jedi Survivor, so we'll see what happens, but for now, he has been a great addition to the lore of Star Wars. But with that said, before there was Cal, we had Starkiller, Vader's apprentice from Force Unleashed, coming in at number four. You've taken everything from me! Your feelings for her are not real. They are real to me! Personally, I've always been a sucker for dark side powers, and seeing a game like Force Unleashed arrive back in 2008 was like my middle school fantasy. You know, not only was it a top of the line game at the time, you know, for its physics and graphics, but it starred a dark side force user under the tutelage of Darth Vader, for God's sakes. Galen Merrick, who is Starkiller, as played by Sam Witwer, takes you on a hell-bent revenge ride as Vader has groomed you to be his secret pet project meant to help bring down the Emperor. While I prefer the more evil ending to the character, Starkiller's inevitable turn in order to save those met along the journey plays well into his more wide-eyed like characteristics, as he doesn't really know much of the outside world outside of being a tool for Vader. So once unleashed into the world, it softens him as he learns the truth of his mission and the lives it's affecting. For me, the game still holds up and I return it and I return to it every so often, so I'm definitely gonna have to do a stream for it sometime. But at number three, I have Darth Malak from Knights of the Old Republic. Once Bastila joins her battle meditation to our enormous fleet, we shall be invincible. Then we shall begin our final conquest of the core worlds, and the Republic will be crushed forever. Like many characters from the Knights of the Old Republic, Darth Malak is another victim of the Mandalorian Wars. The always cackling character who we first meet in Knights of the Old Republic was a Jedi that was twisted by the dark side after encountering the Emperor. But his journey in the end turned him into a perfect foil for his former counterpart and friend Darth Revan. So much of the Old Republic storyline is focused on these two's twisted history and it makes for an extremely compelling tale depending on your choices of course. Malak getting out of the shadow of Revan and becoming an all-powerful Sith is a great journey and tragic tale that left a big impression on me when I first played through these games along with you know other titles that they show up in. His story with Bastila Shan is also awesome watching him turn another Jedi into a Sith. But another great character to come out of the Old Republic was Kriya as she is my number two. I will be honest with you, I have fallen to the dark side. Am I not worthy of redemption? So you will do nothing? Apathy is death, worse than death. 
because at least a rotting corpse feeds the beasts and insects. This is another harrowing tale of Jedi turned Sith as Kreia would be excommunicated from the Order after you know failing in her teachings with Revan. As a Sith though, she would train the antagonist for Knights of the Old Republic II, Darth Nihilus and Darth Sion, who would also turn against her and ultimately strip her of her connection to the Force. Now alone in the vast universe of Star Wars, Kreia becomes enlightened in a way as she gains a greater understanding to how the world works within the confines of Star Wars lore. She by far is one of the most surprisingly unique characters in all of the Old Republic as when you encounter her, she begins spouting truths about the world, whether you're ready to hear them or not. The writers, having been inspired by real-world philosophers, brought those teachings into Star Wars with Sarah Kesselman voicing the character in such a calm but unnerving fashion that made every interaction stand out. If you haven't experienced the character, I highly suggest trying out Knights of the Old Republic 2 someday. But that brings me to my number one, which I have Darth Revan, of course. The darkness and the light wage a constant war within you. The balance is tipped one way now, but it can easily be tipped back. Savior, conqueror, hero, villain, you are all things, Revan, and yet you are nothing. In the end, you belong to neither the light nor the darkness. You will forever stand alone. Clearly, Knights of the Old Republic has dominated my top five, but it's for good reason, as the game's writing is some of the best and unique in Star Wars. But I almost feel like Darth Revan is an unfair choice, as a lot of your connection to the character comes from your own choices, but it's undeniable the written paths for this character, no matter which way you go, are incredibly entertaining as you walk both the light and dark with Revan. Now, I do choose to call him Darth Revan, but he was also a former Jedi like Malak, as I said earlier. But unfortunately, as they uncover a mystery with the dark side, they meet the Sith Emperor who ends up twisting both of their minds. And as the Emperor sends them back to the Republic, they end up losing their memory of the encounter, but the Emperor's influence is still there and has them seeking out the destruction of the Republic on their own accord. Having been a hero in his time during the Mandalorian Wars, the Jedi Council decide to erase his mind and try to give him a second chance. Character is a charismatic enigma with leadership skills that draw in not only the characters around him, but you the player. His storyline is one I wish to actually see play out in canon in a live action Old Republic film, but it will probably be a while before we see anything like that. For now, I'll just revisit this classic game and I hope you give Knights of the Old Republic a try. Lord knows they should actually make a fully remastered version of the game because the story holds up way more than the graphics. But that's my top five. If there's characters you really enjoyed that I didn't list here, let us know on social media at Amazing Nerd Show. But besides Star Wars video games, another franchise I have a lot of love for is Mortal Kombat. And this past week in gaming, we got the official first CG trailer for Mortal Kombat 1, which sees the restart of the Mortal Kombat universe once more, now by the hands of fire god Liu Kang. If you haven't been following the Mortal Kombat story, that sentence alone is probably confusing as all hell. But convoluted story aside, this trailer had a lot of interesting choices of phrases that has had a lot of fan speculation running wild. Like the fact that he brings up that, you know, it's your choice to stay peaceful or not, which, which for me just means that there's characters choosing to go against this new peaceful existence. As we see in the trailer, Shang Tsung appears and, you know, he's clearly up to no good. But a lot of people are speculating if this game will actually give you paths and choices that actually affect the storyline. While that would be really cool, I just don't imagine NetherRealm Studios giving you the type of game that actually allows you to choose how the story is going to play out. But they've been at this for quite a long time, so who knows, they might be interested in doing something a little bit different this time. As we do know, there's a whole lot of new gameplay systems you know, in the works here. NetherRealm Studios has touted that the game has been rebuilt from the ground up with new combats, new modes, and of course, new finishers. But the big thing that came out was that there will be a new fighting system called Cameo Fighters, which will apparently be partners that will assist you in a fight. And of course, these are, you know, characters that are selected separately to the main roster. While this hasn't been shown off just yet, in my mind, I imagine it's something similar to like a tag fighting game button where they just kind of either where a character just appears on screen for a moment and throws in something rather than switching with you on screen. Or perhaps they'll do like a special move or special combo with you in an animation, which as I've seen this happen in other games, this doesn't bother me at all. I'm just more afraid of the possible microtransaction you know, element to that. 
you know, how many cameo fighter packs are they going to end up trying to sell you? But that's just me being a downer. Um, <laughs> other than that, shown off in the trailer, of course, was our main heroes and villains of the original Mortal Kombat. Um, Liu Kang, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Raiden, Kung Lao, Katana, Melina, Johnny Cage, along with um, Shang Tsung, set to be a pre-order bonus, which I was a little disappointed by. Besides that, there was also a Johnny Cage, um, John claude Van Damme skin that will be available for the collector's edition owners. Um, and I'm assuming will later be a DLC. I don't think they said officially that it'll be a DLC, but I think uh, rumored, you know, something that everyone can purchase later on. Um, speaking of DLC, a possible leak came out showing um, some of the guest starring DLC characters we could be getting, which if true, sounds extremely worth it. I mean, I'm talking Homelander, Omni-Man and Peacemaker are all rumored to be appearing as DLC. It's just as an awesome cast already and has my wallet screaming at me. But the game is set for this year with a September 18th release, making this one of the biggest years in fighting game history with all three heavy hitters releasing this year. That's of course Tekken and Street Fighter along with Mortal Kombat. A young me would just be dying right now with all this fighting game news. Also before we move on, if you follow me on Twitter at AmazingNerdLive, you know that Sony is doing a one hour showcase this upcoming Wednesday, so we will be live reacting to it on Twitch. I will also, of course, be live this weekend as well. We're trying to get back into things here. I will be continuing Jedi Survivor and trying out Redfall this week. So make sure to follow us on Twitch to get our live notifications. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. This is a public service announcement. Manscaped now has beer products and is going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world the leaders in below the waist grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code 20NERDSHO for 20% off plus free shipping. Listeners know that there's no one I trust more with my nutsack than Manscaped, so why not trust them with my beard also? So allow me to introduce you to the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It's the ultimate package that makes it easier than ever to craft your signature look. It all starts with the cordless electric Beard Hedger. The Beard Hedger is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time just like your mother. <laughs> this waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. The Pro Kit also comes with four dermatologist tested formulations for your post-trim care. This includes Manscaped's beard shampoo and conditioner, beard oil, and beard balm to moisturize, style, and shimmer your new beard. Plus, the kit has three gifts, a beard brush, a comb, and scissors. So with a nice beard, your face is perfectly groomed, right? Wrong! You need to keep an eye out for those tough-to-trim ear and nose hairs. The brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 offers improved blades and skin-safe technology with virtually no tugging. It's never been so painless to mind your manhole. Now that you have your face looking great, you must try Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 for the full body grooming experience. Good news though, the Performance Package 4.0 now comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 and all the other below the waist grooming products Manscaped is known for. Your significant other will be delighted to see you covering all bases, if you know what I mean. So listeners, get 20% off and free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and make sure to use our code 20NerdShow. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. There are those here who certainly are in your favor, those who are not, Mr. Graham. Some are booing, some are cheering, but nevertheless, there's pandemonium tonight. There's excitement. Look at the people's faces. Look at the people's expressions. Can you feel it? Look at you. You're excited because I am the champion, the worldwide wrestling Federation champion, how can I retain this belt? Why am I still a champion after months and months and months? Because I'm in shape, I'm powerful, I'm strong. I wake up every morning, every morning, work out for five hours, run 19 miles a day, swim across the Atlantic Ocean, unbelievable condition. I am the man of the hour, the man with the power. Too sweet to be sour, Mr. Excitement. Look at the pandemonium, look at the thousands of people, thousands of people. Will you defend your championship?
Well, Christian, this past Wednesday, the big day finally arrived. We had the WBD up fronts where the highly anticipated AEW announcement was supposedly supposed to take place. Now, we did get a big announcement, you know, and it was for the long-rumored AEW collision show that would be taking place on Saturdays, Um, but that was it. There was no new contract or streaming deal announcement that a lot of people kind of assumed, based on a lot of rumors from insiders, that, you know, that was going to happen on the day. So, you know, it, it was a big announcement, but just not as big as people thought it was going to be. Now, that doesn't mean that just because they didn't announce it on Wednesday that they won't be announcing, you know, something soon. Um, But I think a lot of people got their hopes up, um, you know, to get something like truly groundbreaking on the AEW front. Um, You know, they have an option year when it comes to their deal. Um, You know, so their deal could technically go through 2024, Um, you know. But a lot of people are assuming that they're going to renegotiate something before then, especially with the announcement of, you know, the brand new TV show. I mean, they have to have some kind of new deal in place just to support that new show Mm -hmm. uh, money wise. But that actually wasn't the biggest story to come out of the day. Because, unfortunately, a couple minutes after the upfronts, the dark cloud known as CM Punk arrived (laughs) and rained havoc on AEW. So I guess it came out that originally CM Punk was supposed to be a big part of the WBD upfronts announcement. Um, He was in all of, I guess, the promotional artwork, um, you know, announcing the new you know, show and in the press release. But allegedly something happened between Tuesday and Wednesday that made AEW pull Punk's name and image from all the promotional material announcing Collision. When someone reached out to the WBD executives, um, you know, for a statement on this, because there was a link that leaked um, showing the CM Punk promotional artwork and the actual press release with his name in it. Um, they, uh, WBD uh, executives, you know, said that CM Punk was not attached to the collision show whatsoever. Mm. Um, but obviously people had evidence stating otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing some intern just got fired. Now, multiple wrestling news sites are reporting that the issue between AEW and CM Punk stems from a miscommunication about the role of Punk's good old buddy Ace Steel in the promotion. So I guess he was rehired in some capacity. Uh, Punk thought this meant that he would be backstage during all collision shows, Uh, but that's not what Tony Khan had in mind. Um, hmm. why it took this long to figure that out, I have no idea. Um, you would think that this is something that would be kind of hashed out before, you know, the announcement took place. <laughs> um, because this all seems very last minute. Um, like I said, it, you know, as of Tuesday, you know, Punk was on all the promotional material, which I would guess means that you know a steel was you know part of whatever you know they negotiated with punk in the first place um but i guess some lawyers didn't like dot their i's and cross their t's um and that's where the conflict arose now according to multiple you know wrestling news sites a lot of AEW talent aren't comfortable with a still working backstage after the events of brawl outs, which is understandable. I mean, he did like (laughs) start throwing chairs and, you know, bit someone who could, you know, blame them. I mean, it just sets a bad precedent. Right. Um, but I mean, CM Punk is a megastar and apparently he was able to negotiate his buddy getting his job back. Um, but I guess they didn't iron out the details in time. So this really puts AEW in a sticky situation because they've booked the United Center already for uh, the premiere 
um, episode of Collision, uh, they were not able to announce that on Wednesday. And I guess that was what the big announcement was supposed to be, you know, on Dynamite on Wednesday, which they teased last week, was, you know, all of the dates, you know, for the Collision show. They announced everything but the premiere date, um, at least like, you know, five or six weeks out. A lot of the first episodes of the show is going to be taking place in Canada, it looks like. Yes. Which I think mm-hmm. is where we're going to see a lot of the uh, Owen Hart, uh, you know, cup play out, um, which would only make sense. Because I, I believe, right, didn't they say that uh, that was going to all start during uh, Double or Nothing? I remember them saying that it was going to go at least into um, Forbidden Door. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought it was going to start at Double or Nothing, and then we're going to have a lot of the tournament take place in Canada and maybe leading into Forbidden Door, which is right. It's July, right? Yeah. So if we're remembering correctly, it is kind of weird that they haven't, like, you know, said anything else about the tournament since then, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially with the pay-per-view being only a week away at this point um but you know maybe we are misremembering <laughs> i honestly don't know there's been so much news swirling around AEW right now it's hard to keep everything straight um but yeah i, I mean so it, it looks like tony khan has like bought himself a week to kind of fix things relationship wise between punk and the company um you know hopefully he can get things back on track so you know he can make the announcement next week of, you know, the premiere, you know, episode of Collision taking place in the United Center, you know, with, you know, all the hoopla of having, you know, Punk, you know, back in AEW. Because I don't know if he has enough time to book somewhere else. And I can't foresee them selling out the United Center without CM Punk or even coming close to filling the United Center. Without CM Punk. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a good, I believe it seats like 20,000 people. Um, I don't think they're going to come close without Punk, honestly. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, what do you make of all this? And one, in one aspect, I understand, like, I don't understand why if, you know, he was demanding a steel be back in the you know back area, why they wouldn't have just put him on the same show anyway. But, you know, I thought CM Punk wanted to wrestle. I thought the whole point was... He was just coming back to, you know, get back into the ring. I don't understand all this extra Gaga bullshit that we have to, you know, you know, Punk gets on his own show. He gets his own favorite wrestlers with him. He gets his own favorite fucking staff with him. You know, why? Why are we, you know, bowing down so much to to one guy right now? I mean, he is a megastar. But at the same time, at the same time, (laughs) you are placating a lot to, you Uh know, this kind of behavior and you're setting a bad precedent. Like, you know, um, and how does this look to the rest of the talent on your roster right now? Exactly. Especially since you're like in the middle of negotiations, you know, for new contracts for all of the elite right now who are at the heart of the conflict with, you know, punk. Mm -hmm. Um you know, is that going to turn them off and, you know, make them want to walk away and maybe pursue wrestling somewhere else? Who knows? Um, and is CM Punk really worth all that? I don't think so. And I'm a Punk fan. But, like, all this fucking drama, man, like, if I wouldn't blame Tony Khan at all for just washing his hands, you know, of all this and just letting Punk go. Um, because mm. it just doesn't seem like it's worth it. Now, the day before uh the WBD uh upfront, Fightful was reporting that the collision show was going to be kind of a hard brand split, much harder than we originally thought. Um, and then looking at the poster <laughs> where I guess they uh replaced CM Punk with uh MJF. Uh, uh. You can kind of see where they're heading with the collision, you know, roster. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, FTR, we have Thunder Rosa, we have Andrade, we have Miro. You know, it's basically like all the bad kids in class, you know, getting their own <laughs> fucking TV show. Um, uh-huh. You know, all the troublemakers. Um, it seems a bit odd to me, right? But I guess this is how Tony Khan handles conflict. In his company, he just, you know, 
rewards these bad apples with their own fucking TV show. Like, what happens if, like, someone starts having issues on Collision? You know, do we get now a third brand? Like, what? what? I mean, there's a certain point where it's really just the inmates running the asylum. And that's Mm -hmm. what it feels like is happening right now in AEW, unfortunately. I mean, I don't get it. I don't like it. Um, And I understand where Tony's coming from. I mean, Punk is a huge star. And, you know, having him as an anchor on that show, on Collision, you know, would mean a lot. Um, Especially being in such a difficult time slot, like Saturday nights. I mean, they're going to be coming up against a lot of competition. And it's, I mean, not many people are home Saturday nights watching TV. So they're going to need all hands on deck. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, I wouldn't blame Tony from walking away from Punk and just, you know, giving him his release. Um, if he does that, I mean, it's not the end of the world, at least in my point of view, because I feel like then you could just open up, you know, the show's roster completely and you could have all your superstars on the show. Um, and I guess, you know, I'm assuming that the brand split quote-unquote wouldn't be announced it would just be something that happens um you know where wrestlers just kind of like call their home collision and that's where their storylines are featured but you know they're not like you know calling out the fact that you know this wrestler is you know exclusively on collision and that way you're not like painting yourself in a corner so if you do eventually want to use a wrestler on dynamite you can or vice versa but yeah because there i mean the one thing that did also come out is like the champions would you know be on both shows um you know so the champions aren't exclusive you know to dynamite or to collision which i mean thank god because that would just mean like tony's about to announce a plethora of new titles exactly Uh, i mean i'm already annoyed that next week we're gonna have the roh tag team titles defended on dynamite um but i you know i I don't want to get into that right now (laughs) (laughs) i was like i thought we're done with this shit what the fuck (laughs) i mean it's gonna be a great match but like Ring of Honor has its own show. Like, what's the point, mm. you know, of that show if you're not having the titles defended on it? Like, at whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we're basically in a holding pattern right now, you know, when it comes to all things collision. Um, what, you know, was supposed to be a big day for AEW turned into a shit show, really. Um, it's just really unfortunate. Like once again, like CM Punk is raiding on Tony's parade. <laughs> yeah. And there's seemingly it's... nothing he could do to stop it. You know? Um, except maybe growing a set and fucking letting the guy go. You know? Because at this point, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I said, I'm a punk fan, but enough's enough. Jesus Christ. At the same time, I'll still be there. I, I want to be there at collision at the United Center. <laughs> is there a chance all this is a work? Is there a chance oh. that he's, you know, not brawl out and everything, but like, you know, he's going to like debut maybe as a heel. Oh, so punk? the rumor tagline for that, like, you know, premiere episode of uh, Collision was the second coming. Oh, God. Uh-huh. <laughs> now that screams heel punk, right? Uh-huh. So I don't uh. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, honestly, part of me is hoping that this is all some bad, like, work shoot. Um, You know, it's just a way to kind of drum up interest for that first episode. But I doubt it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I highly doubt it. Nowadays, I mean, Punk showing up and glad-handing Triple H at, you know, you know backstage at Raw. I mean, <laughs> <sighs> come on, man. What the fuck? <laughs> what a mess. Jesus Christ. Now, today, a, a real interesting like news nugget came out. We're recording this on Thursday. But I guess Brian Danielson was going to be part of the creative team on Collision, um, which, you know, sounds really promising to me. I'm glad that Tony is getting as much help as possible, especially now that he's booking three shows, um, mm-hmm. you know, between, you know, Dynamite, Collision and ROH. 
And we do know that Brian has experience working creative uh, in WWE. Uh, I believe he was part of the uh, SmackDown creative team. Now, that's now that makes it a little bit more exciting, you know, to see uh, someone like Brian, at least on creative for Collision. It definitely won't hurt having like a new voice, you know, sitting at the big table, um, you know, booking the show. So, I mean, I mean, when push comes to shove, it's still, you know, Tony shows and I'm sure he'll mm -hmm. have the final say. But why not, you know, pick the brain of, you know, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world with Brian Danielson. It only makes sense. So um, hopefully, like, this is the last of stories like this, because I, I do feel like, you know, Tony really needs to use and utilize the talent that, you know, he has surrounding him. There's no reason why you couldn't have someone like, you know, like like Christian helping out, you know, producing match. And I know, like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, wrestlers like Moxley and Jericho have taken on, like, expanded roles recently. Um, so I, I'm guessing this is kind of more, you know, like, in that vein um, but I mean, it's definitely a good thing in my book. And I'm guessing there still wasn't any type of word on if they were going to add more pay-per-views because they're doing another show, right? Like no, no, there literally nothing else was announced except mm -hmm. collision. Um, you know, no word on like where that Wembley show is going to air. Um, which I mean, tickets are reportedly still selling very well. Um, but nice. we, I mean, we don't know if that's a pay-per-view or if that's going to be, you know, streamed somewhere, if it's just going to mm -hmm. air on, you know, national TV. <laughs> we have no clue right now if we're even going to be able to see that show. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things still up in the air. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll have more, you know, quote unquote, major announcements in the near future that kind of like shine some light on what direction, you know, AEW is headed. I mean, it's crazy to think like double or nothing is right around the corner and it feels like it's been kind of like lost in the shuffle, um, with all the other like giant news stories coming out of AEW. I mean, you've got, you know, the Forbidden Door show, you've got the Wembley show, You've got the announcement of Collision. You've got All Out still happening. Um, there's a lot going on right now. So as an AEW fan, it's hard to kind of, you know, with so many like, you know, big things on the horizon. Right. But then on, you know, AEW television, I still see Darby Allen pointing at the, <laughs> at the double or nothing side like it's mania. And so it kinda, it, it's it's a little you know weird to see that when there's all this other shit that seems so much bigger now, like you were just saying. Well, it's a little weird to think that, you know, Darby and, you know, the rest of the pillars are going to be part of the main event of double or uh -huh. nothing when <laughs> it feels like the third or fourth most exciting match, you know, on that uh -huh. card right now. So, um, and this past week's, you know, AEW Dynamite didn't do anything to change that perception in my mind. Um, I was, you know, like some of the stuff that they did with the pillars were, was fine. Um, but like other things just had me like scratching my head, like that jungle boy Roosh match. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Um, like I was fine with, you know, Orange and Darby teaming up and having an exciting mm. tag match together. Um, I don't think that hurt Darby at all. Um, it just reminded people that he's a fantastic wrestler. And then Sammy, like he had a squash match, basically. Um, yes. Two moves. It was two moves. Against. Literally. Uh, <laughs> what, the, what the hell was the guy's name? Exodus, Exodus Prime. Exodus Prime. <laughs> Sure, sure, guy. Um, <laughs> like, why did Sammy get like an enhancement match, and everyone else had a, had a real wrestling match? <laughs> I don't know. But like, what you're saying with Jungle Boy, I'm assuming you're getting to is that he got beat the fuck out yes. of for like yes twenty minutes, and barely scraped by with the win. Um, I don't understand. It felt like Roosh was just eating him alive in that ring. Uh -huh. Like, I mean, who put this fucking match together? And, like, who thought it was a good idea? Um, like, did anyone fucking produce this fucking match backstage? Because I can't imagine, like, booking this match thinking it was a good idea for one of your top contenders going into a pay-per-view to get his ass beat for fucking 15, 20 minutes on your marquee TV show. Um, you know, and win with, like, a fluke you know, roll up. Uh, yeah. What the hell? Uh, 
and I've said this before, but I feel like this whole four pillar storyline has really done nothing for any of the talent. If anything, I feel like it's set them back. Um, you know, like my perception of Darby's changed, unfortunately, and he feels like the only legitimate contender to MJF's title right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything with Sammy is coming like out of left field, honestly. Like it's, yeah, I'm not buying the face turn right now, or or I'm not into it at least. No, and, and it just feels completely forced. So much mm-hmm. so, like I'm wondering if it's supposed to be like a swerve, and like he's still working with MGF, and he's going to try to lay down for him in the match. <laughs> um, because I was like, wait, now Sammy's a fucking babyface. What? Where did this come from? Like, uh-huh. um, this definitely wasn't earned right well at first i thought they were just trying to be like oh it's his hometown so maybe they'll treat him more like a face but then like to have that whole moment at the end or near the end of the show where he's comes out and makes a save yeah i was like well now this is too much yeah so i'm wondering if it's supposed to be some kind of swerve um if not it's just piss poor booking uh-huh. um you know i mean the whole fucking aw what is it called all access show that reality yeah. show I mean, it seemed like it was constructed to make Sammy a baby face. <laughs> like, it really focuses on him, like, you know, behind the scenes and everything. Like, he's one of the stars mm-hmm. of the show, and it does show him in a really good light. So I don't know if they're thinking, oh, well, you know, this is a way to get to babyface Sammy again. Um, I mean, if so, what a contrived way to do it, though. Um, you had him cackling in the back with MGF just a couple weeks ago right over screwing over the company right so i don't know i don't know i I just you know i'm sure like once the match gets into the ring it's gonna be fantastic um it it just unfortunately is done like none of the wrestlers any favors because mjf you know he's in the same place that he was in the beginning like he hasn't been hurt by this Mm -hmm. but it's just a waste of his talent, honestly. Like, these guys aren't in his league right now. Um, and they've, you know, done nothing but really kind of, like, shine the spotlight on that fact. Um, now, with all the news, obviously, we're not doing a full, like, you know, dynamite recap or anything like that. But I did want to briefly talk about something that I actually loved on the show, which was the whole elite, you know, uh, BCC uh, storyline. Now, I know you didn't get a chance to actually see the main event, um, which wasn't really a main event. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, I thought, you know, everything they did here with the elite and, you know, the Blackpool combat club was as close to perfection as you could possibly get. I thought it was really well done. Um, you know, they really gave us a satisfying payoff finally after, you know, weeks and weeks of build up. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, you know, Don Callis was apparently going to be the main event of the show, uh, exp- okay. you know, giving us an explanation on why he did what he did to Omega, um, you know, you know, stabbing him in the back or, you know, I guess I should say forehead with a screwdriver last week. Um, you know, he came out to get on the mic, uh, to a fucking chorus of very loud boos. Um, I didn't think he was going to be able to get the promo off at one point. Uh, but you know, he's a pro and he, <laughs> he started talking, uh, basically giving himself all the credit for Kenny's career. Uh, but he was soon cut off by Omega, uh, who's met by a wall of security guards. Uh, Callis made a run for it. Then the Blackpool combat club showed up. Uh, the Bucks music hit, uh, they came out with a shopping cart full of weapons. Um, the Bucks who earlier on the show were jumped in the parking lot by the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, with John Moxley declaring the Blackpool Combat Club afterwards, the elite. So the real elite of wrestling, I believe Uh. he said. Um, but yeah, the Bucks came out, um, you know, with a shopping cart full of weapons, Kenny grabbed his signature, you know, uh, broom or mop with barbed wire wrapped around it. Uh, and then Hangman Page's music um, hit and he made his uh, big return after being off TV for, I believe, a, 
about a month at this point. Yeah. Last time we saw him, he was getting stabbed in the eye <laughs> by the Black Bull Combat Club. So uh, he came back with an eye patch on, which I loved. Hangman stood side by side with his former teammates, and he gave Hangman a look and a nod and then handed him his signature mop. And they all together made a beeline to the ring, attacking the Blackpool Combat Club. Once they chased them off um, up the ramp, uh, Hangman got on the mic and declared the lead back to a huge pop. Um, It was just really well done. And like I said, it was an incredibly satisfying payoff to, you know, a couple months build storyline wise. I mean, with all the drama in the news, this was just a nice reminder that, you know, that when AEW is clicking on all cylinders, just how fucking awesome the show can be. Oh, and I totally forgot to mention that uh, it looks like the match between the Elite and the BCC is going to be an Anarchy in the Arena match uh, at the pay-per-view. Right. So there you go. Also, I'd be remiss not to give Chris Jericho and Roderick Strong their flowers, too. Um they had a fantastic false count anywhere match, um, you know, on the show, just beating the living shit out of each other. Fucking chest chop after chest chop. Like I was wincing after a while, like, holy shit, stop hitting uh-huh. each other so hard. Um, you know, I mean, Jericho is in his mid fifties at this point. <laughs> Oh, I, I can't remember the last time I saw Jericho take such high, like, impact moves, though. Like, Roderick Strong was tossing that motherfucker yes. into the air. Yes, I mean, like <laughs> Jericho had quite a run last year um, and everything, uh-huh. but, like, this was pretty... Because, I mean, they weren't in a ring, so... No. <laughs> they. I mean, he was falling on concrete. I was like, Jericho, you don't have to work this hard anymore, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, every time I see stairs, I, I immediately think back to Brock Lesnar, and I get scared. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> or fucking, uh, was it Ethan Page throwing uh, Darby down oh. the stairs? You remember that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Jericho, I mean, I love the fact that Jericho took the pin. I mean, it's a mm. great way to, like, legitimize, you know, Roderick's strong you know in aw fans eyes so i mean a a win over jericho is still a big deal so even though you know it seems like a lot of people are getting wins over jericho lately uh to the point where i'm wondering if it's going to end up being part of a storyline um you know sooner than later uh because i don't foresee jericho beating adam cole at the pay-per-view um at least i hope that doesn't happen (laughs) But we do know Jericho loves his long-term storytelling. So, yes. you know, maybe. Who knows? Well, that does it for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five-star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by TheAmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some Nerd Show swag, you can head over to TeePublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional Nerd Show swag as long as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.